From Springfield, this is State Week, a program of analysis and commentary on the events that made news this past week in Illinois state government and politics. Do not let the doom grifters steal your optimism about what's ahead for Illinois. Our future is bright and opportunity lies ahead. There was just a total focus on of increasing this budget, the largest in Illinois history, when why do we have to always have a budget that grows every year? The governor's budget does not reflect the overall priorities of Illinois' families. The budget provides better health care for undocumented immigrants than for most Illinois families. Maybe some of you think that we should just say, this is not our problem and that we should let the migrant families starve or freeze to death. But that's not what decent Midwesterners do. We didn't ask for this manufactured crisis, but we must deal with it all the same. That is Governor J.B. Pritzker during his budget and State of the State address this week. We also heard from Republican lawmakers Jill Tracy and Noreen Hammond. The governor unveiling his $53 billion budget. It does call for more spending and some other changes, and we'll discuss those coming up here on State Week. I'm Sean Crawford in Springfield. Our panel includes Charlie Wheeler, Professor Emeritus, and former director of the Public Affairs Reporting Program at the University of Illinois Springfield. Charlie has also been a longtime Statehouse reporter and observer. And with us, we have Jerry Nowicki. He's editor-in-chief for Capital News Illinois. And Jerry, it's always good to have you back with us as well. Yeah, glad to be here, Sean. Charlie, I'll go to you on this one. I was surprised by the about $2 billion increase in spending over last year's budget. Now, I know they did a supplemental budget, so some of that money is factored in. But when we've been hearing finances will be tight, and we've been hearing that for several months now, uh, did that surprise you that this budget went up the way it did? And, and what's to blame for that? Uh, not really. There were a lot of increases that you kind of expected would happen, like, for example, for uh, elementary and secondary education, increasing the evidence-based funding pot by another $350 million. You knew that was going to happen. There had to be increases in, in pension funds. You knew that was going to happen. The interesting thing is if you look at, at the actual data that's con contained in the actual budget book itself, as opposed to what the governor talked about for, what, almost an hour? The budget book itself is 632 pages full of numbers. But one of the things I found interesting, it talked about how the estimated or the, the, the general funds expenditures that are being proposed for the coming fiscal year increased by $752 million. And the revenues are estimated to go up by... 777 million and so you wonder well where's it going to come from well one of the things that the governor did not mention in his speech but which everyone who wrote about it did including jerry and the folks at capital news illinois and the chicago papers and wttw wbz everybody wrote about the fact that there are a number of tax increases built in there uh an increase in the in the sport wagering tax the percentage from 15% to 35%, which is going to bring in a couple hundred million dollars. They're changing the way corporations can deduct operating losses from their taxable income. And, 
and that's going to bring in 526 million I calculate they're going to reduce the amount of money that retailers collect from the state sales tax to save 101 million dollars they're going to transfer the costs some of the costs of mass transit from general funds to the road fund if you add up all these tax increases or if you want to use a more delicate term, these revenue enhancements, they actually come out to more than what the increase in spending is going to be. So as the governor said, the budget, as he proposed it, it's balanced, but that takes into account or that assumes that this half a dozen or so revenue enhancements are going to be enacted by the legislature. So some what ifs there. Jerry, you had an analysis piece prior to the address and I, I'm just going to read the title to it. Pritzker urges careful approach as current year surplus could be followed by a deficit. So is this a careful approach? Yeah. So one of the things that is the main driver of the difference here between the previous fiscal year and the upcoming one that for which the budget was just approved was that there was a change to the cap on corporate net operating losses. Um, essentially, I think in maybe it was 2021 or 2022, the legislature capped the uh, what corporations could claim as losses, but it was scheduled to expire uh, at the end of this year. So because it wasn't existing in law, as a change, the November estimates that projected the $900 million deficit did not include that as revenue. So essentially just by um, proposing to keep that cap in place and even increase it from 100,000 to 500,000, the state is now expected to erase $526 million of what uh, in November was pegged as a deficit. So it's a bit of a bookkeeping type thing, but now Republicans are certainly characterizing that as a tax increase because of course it was slated to, that cap was slated to expire, but now the governor doesn't want it to expire. So we're keeping the current year's law in place, but, you know, because they have to uh, make a change in law to do that, that's how it's viewed as a tax increase and in, in generating $526 million more of revenue. So a bit of convoluted explanation there, but that's what it is. Well, certainly uh, there was some criticism, especially from Republicans, when it came to spending on migrants. We know the state has already been putting money towards certain needs there. Uh, these are mostly people who have been bussed in from the southern border and from Texas to the Chicago area. The Senate Minority Leader John Curran of Downers Grove, he referred to the Pritzker policies as making Illinois a non-citizen welfare state. So what exactly, Jerry, is the governor proposing when it comes to migrants and spending for the coming year? What is in his proposed budget is what he and the Cook County Board President a couple uh, week or two ago uh, announced they would uh, dedicate to the purpose, and that's $182 million from the state for that. He didn't go beyond that. I think his administration said, you know, we're keeping a bit of flexibility, but uh, they viewed uh, 
what they needed to at least keep the shelters in operation and to continue to provide services for migrant populations as 182 million for the year. And, uh, you know, that could certainly fluctuate. We got a long way to go. There's uh, plenty of opportunities to change spending in the next year, but um, I think that's the amount that he included. Charlie, this is this is an area that, again, we've seen a lot of criticism, even from some people in the Democratic Party, when it comes to how this is being handled, both at the federal level and some of the spending that's going on at the state level. So, again, $182 million is not a lot of money when it comes to government and, and some of the uh, needs that are going to be there. Uh, you expect that that's going to have to go higher as the fiscal year uh, gets underway next year? I suspect that it maybe will. One of the things that we've seen in, in recent weeks is that the the number of migrants being sent from the southern border up to Chicago by Texas Governor Greg Abbott has really gone down. And so I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, the city has closed a couple of shelters already because the number of people needing housing in those shelters and mostly people from Venezuela has diminished. And so as things stand now, that number looks pretty solid. But the expectation is as we get closer to summer and we get closer to the Democratic National Convention, Greg Abbott is going to be sending flotillas of buses jam-packed full of people seeking asylum and dumping them wherever in Chicago it pleases him just to make Pritzker, Brandon Johnson, and the rest of the, the Democrats look bad and to embarrass Joe Biden. So I suspect we're going to wind up having to spend more money. And I thought that the, the governor really got kind of emotional talking about this when he and he was critical of the president. He said that it's it's up to the president and Congress to do more. And he really blasted the Republicans in Congress who in the Senate, they thought they had a deal with the Democrats and they had a package that included aid for Ukraine, Israel, elsewhere, as well as tightening the border. And suddenly the Republicans backed off. And Pritzker said it was because Donald Trump told them to. Basically, they're afraid of Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants an issue to use against Joe Biden. And I thought the his he was really outraged by it, I thought, from watching him and listening to him. And he also sounded a good point. What are we what are we supposed to do? These folks are here. Are we gonna say, hey, tough, you know, we got our own problems, you guys are on your own, hitchhike somewhere else. And he talked about how the 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 buses arrived and they had elderly. They had pregnant women. They had children. They arrive in freezing temperatures, and they're wearing uh, T-shirts and flip-flops. And he said, think about that the next time a Texas politician lectures you on Christian values. And I thought that was interesting. Now, some of the Republicans took offense, saying that, well, that's, that's an unfair dig at us. But the bottom line, in, in my mind, is the folks are here. You have to take care of them. You can't just let them, uh, as somebody said, rot in the streets. And if they need medical care, if you can get them preventive care, it will save in the long run 
the costs that would be required if they wind up going to an emergency room because they have a condition that could have been treated and now it's gotten a lot worse. So I think it's, I, I would defend what the governor is doing and what the folks who are supporting these immigrants are doing. One, I personally think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the correct humanitarian thing to do. And two, what's the alternative? Are we going to charter buses and send them back down to El Paso? I don't think so. Jerry, uh, we had heard some, I would say, some uh, concerns from people like the Black Caucus beforehand, concerned about how spending on migrants could take money away from their communities. Did we hear much of that after this speech? Well, I think what we saw from the Black Caucus um, was just the general, you know, supposition that they want more spending, more resources allocated to the types of things that have for a long time been a priority um, to their caucus. And that's just, you know, uh, top of mind, uh, violence prevention, uh, homelessness prevention. I think the governor noted that um, Black people make up a, a disproportionate majority of people experiencing homeless in Illinois. Um, just general vocational education, I think, are Black caucus priorities. And, and they also kind of announced that they were going to announce this um, report, uh, sort of putting the evidence and the math to the types of proposals they'd like to support. So I think we'll definitely see some maybe pushback or general just them um, seeking more money in certain areas uh, than what's in the budget. The Latino caucus had a similar type news conference uh, saying they'd uh, seek more in the way of uh, violence prevention funds as well, and then um, made it clear that it was a priority that the healthcare programs for non-citizens are, are funded uh, to a point where um, they are able to provide care for as many people as possible. You're listening to State Week. I'm Sean Crawford in Springfield, along with Charlie Wheeler and Jerry Nowicki with Capital News Illinois. We mentioned education a bit ago. The governor did fund uh, education by, I believe it was about 4% above last year, but still less than what the State Board of Education had wanted. There was also money in there for the uh, increase to uh, stay on pace with this evidence-based funding formula. And he also called for some more money to uh, fund what his uh, program called Smart Start Illinois, uh, access to early childhood education. He pushed for that as well. That's in his budget, some money for that. Uh, now, that being said, the governor also did something or announced something a little bit different when it comes to pensions. Charlie, uh, you've followed the pension situation for a long time, and I will mention that both you and I are members of the state university uh, retirement system. But uh, what did you make of what the governor's plan here is? What does it actually do and your thoughts on it? Okay, what he's proposing, the, the way the the mechanism to fund the pension liabilities is structured now is that and this was something that was adopted became effective in fy 96 and the ob object was to get the pensions for the that are covered by the state the the five major pension funds for state workers university workers teachers lawmakers and judges to get them funded at 90% of liabilities by the year 2045. And to do that, 
there's a formula to calculate how much has to be set aside each year to reach that number. But what the governor is proposing is that rather than settle for 90% in 2045, we should extend the, the plan to 2048 and go for 100% funding. And he proposes to do that by pointing out that in the, in the 2030s, like a decade from now, some of the bond sales that we've done in the past are going to be paid off. And that money, a portion of it should be dedicated into the pension funds. And according to his calculations, if we do that, we'll be able to wind up with pensions fully funded in the sense that there's enough money there to pay the benefits due the people who are covered and that that will ease the burden in terms of having to put more in every year. And it will also look good to the credit rating agencies who've complained, oh, like forever about our unfunded pensions and our pensions have not been fully funded for more than a century and we're working at it slowly but surely. And I think his estimate is that with this year's budget, the level of funding will reach roughly 44% for all these, these five systems combined. So that's a major change and it's pretty technical and pretty complicated, but for somebody who kind of pays attention to it, it seems to me it makes a lot of sense. Well, Jerry, this does require that future general assemblies and governors would go along with this. We have seen in the past where uh, pensions have been, you know, set set on a ramp to get to a certain point, and not always have others you know, later on decided to uh, stick to that. So, it may sound good right now, but I would think there'd be people who are skeptical if uh, if the state will stay on pace. Yeah, I think the bond house, the uh, Fitch ratings, one of the major three uh, bond ratings agencies in the U.S. sort of said as much. Uh, they said, you know, the, the proposal as stated by the governor today would likely end up in a credit positive situation. It would reduce risks associated with the pension obligations, improve credit quality. But uh, Eric Kim of Fitch Ratings said, ultimately, any rating implications will be based on Fitch's review of the enacted budget and any related legislation, which could look materially different than the governor's proposals. So essentially, that means lawmakers might have a different idea than the governor. We'll wait till law becomes law to determine whether it's going to put Illinois in a better credit position than they are in now. Well, Jerry, before time gets away, I do want to find out maybe some other uh, responses you heard from different interest groups out there. I know the retail merchants weren't happy uh, with some things in the governor's budget address, maybe some others, but uh, who, who else has weighed in so far? Yeah, so the retail one is because the governor wants to cap a uh, deduction or a tax credit, pardon me, that uh, the retailers can claim at $1,000 per month, which is another one of those 175 million, I think, or uh, gen revenue generating proposals. So uh, they don't like the fact that, you know, he's taken away this credit that's long been there. But the other major one is the Illinois Municipal League, uh, because the governor is seeking to end the state's 1% tax on groceries, which uh, generates about, oh, somewhere between $304 million 
400 million dollars each year but it almost goes almost entirely to local governments so it's easy for the governor to get rid of because it's not general revenue funds that are making this budgeting job easier plus it's you know he can stand up there and say i want to eliminate this tax but it is the local governments that would get hit and the uh and municipal league called that insulting so we'll see where that proposal goes the governor essentially rebuttaled that um they can instate such a tax at the local level if they find it um, very important to their revenue streams as local governments. So we'll see how that fight ends up playing out. That was, that was, a, that was a point that, that raised a question in my mind. Can a local government impose a sales tax if it is not a home rule, home rule unit? And I don't know the answer. So a big stink raised by the uh, transportation coalition the unions and the uh paving companies about this plan to shift to the road fund 175 million in mass transit costs that now comes out of the general fund and their argument is that well this is going to postpone needed transportation improvements roads and bridges we won't be able to do as much as we thought we could and it's going to cost us half a billion dollars over the years in, in lost projects. So that was that's another, that's a pretty powerful group because it has the business community and labor united to try and protect these, these funds for only transportation. Now, somebody could argue, well, mass transit, I mean, that's transportation too, right? When you get on the bus, it takes you from here to there, but that's not what the road builders have in mind. Well, while we have a few minutes left, let's uh, turn to another action that took place this week at the Capitol. This one mostly out of sight, although there were some photos and a few comments made. But uh, this involved a lot of closed-door meetings with the Chicago White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf. He came to Springfield to talk to the different legislative leaders. He met with them. Charlie, you're a big White Sox fan. He wants a new stadium. He's talked about that. He also wants some public help. I think I've seen a billion dollars or more in money that could go toward uh, helping this this effort. Uh, you weren't out there with your White Sox pennant waving it when he came by, but what do you think is his chances of getting something done? I would guess at this point the White Sox probably have better chances of winning the division than the legislature to pony up a billion dollars for a guy who's a multi-billionaire. And the million is, is just to refurbish that or to, to build the stadium, but he had an interview with Crane Chicago, with Greg Hines, and he also wants, I think it was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, I think he wanted $900 million for ancillary costs. So he's looking at $2 billion. We've already built him one stadium, and it's still not paid off. Uh, and he's, he's he, he came down and he met with, with Chris Welch and Don Harmon, he met with the Republican leaders as well, and it was all very cordial, but nobody has jumped on board and say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. In fact, the probably the most positive response he got was from Mayor Johnson in Chicago, who said, oh, we should look at, we should figure out how to do this. So I would be very surprised if this happens. I would also argue that the, the threat was raised that, well, maybe the White Sox will move to Nashville. And I'm thinking... I don't see the American League 
allowing a team to abandon the third largest media market in the country to go to the home of country music. Well, Jerry, have you heard much on this? Um, was there much talk about it after uh, after his visit? Well, I'll first say I'm a Sox fan too, and they've made it pretty difficult to keep wearing that hat the <laughs> most recent couple of seasons. But no, it was it was essentially almost a sort of painful level of non-committal responses from all of these spokespeople. We're glad to have heard his heard his proposal. Uh, we look forward to continued negotiations. Was the extent of what they said. So we got a long way to go before pencil hits paper on some of these proposals. Uh, I would certainly anticipate that nothing, no one is willing to put their name on such a proposal uh, prior to the primary. Um, maybe after March, we'll see it heat up a little bit, or who knows, maybe there's a South side lawmaker who has that district that does want to uh, make themselves endear themselves to the white Sox fans but we'll see I, I i truly think it's nothing's coming soon on that and the governor has stayed pretty much silent on on any type of uh, committing toward anything like this as well isn't that correct yeah he didn't even i don't even believe he met with reinstorf when he was in town so it's it's sort of it's not my place to be in those negotiations yet was appeared to be the stance he was taking all right. Well, let's go now to our notes from the field. Charlie, we'll go to you first. All righty. Well, earlier this week, a measure to outlaw certain potentially harmful food additives uh, cleared a Senate committee, the Public Health Committee, by a five to three vote and moved to the Senate floor. And under this legislation, food products containing uh, brominated vegetable oil, potassium bromate, propyl paraben I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and red dye number three would be banned from retail sales in Illinois starting in 2027. These additives are commonly found in candy, soda, other ultra-processed foods. The sponsor, Willie, Senator Willie Preston, who's a Chicago Democrat, said these additives can lead to serious health problems. They've been linked to a variety of potential harmful outcomes including cancer, metabolic disorders, behavioral problems in children. On the other hand, opponents, including the food industry, argued that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration guidelines deem the additives as generally recognized as safe. California banned these last fall, and they're also banned in the European Union and several other countries. So we'll see where this one goes. All right. And Jerry? Yeah, so a proposal that Governor Pritzker vetoed last year is back in the General Assembly and even broader than before. It would give uh, existing utilities uh, right of first refusal on building new transmission lines, which essentially means uh, they get the first crack anytime new transmission lines need to be built for the state to meet its energy goals. Uh, when it was vetoed last year, it pertained to two downstate utilities, but now it would be statewide. So basically all of the state's uh, existing companies would have that right. And uh, the governor's veto said it was basically, uh, it had cost money for the ratepayers, whereas unions said, you know, uh, this is a way to ensure that Illinois companies are doing this uh, work and which would mean 
Illinois laborers are being used to do the work. Otherwise, you know, you could be outbid by someone from Iowa who's not going to pay for union labor. So just that type of fight, a bit of a union versus Pritzker fight on this one. And Representative Larry Walsh is reviving that proposal for this year. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of State Week. Our panel included Charlie Wheeler and Jerry Nowicki with Capital News Illinois. Look for State Week where you get your podcasts through the NPR app and at nprillinois.org. I'm Sean Crawford. Join us next time. You've been listening to State Week, a program of commentary and analysis of events in Illinois state politics and government. State Week is produced in the state capitol by public radio station NPR Illinois. This is IPR, Illinois Public Radio.